Hi, welcome to the Romance Me podcast. This is Erica. And I'm Em, and we'd like to, spit to say, if we can say, a special hello to our number one and only fan. Yo. Today, we'll be discussing Never Seduce a Scott by Maya Banks. Evelyn and Graham are forced into an arranged marriage devised by their king to bring an end to the long-standing feud between their families. Both families think this is the worst thing that could ever happen, especially to poor gentle Evelyn, who is thought of as daft. How could she ever be a true wife to Graham? <laughs> Ew. <laughs> once Graham learns, <laughs> once Graham learns Evelyn's secret and they begin to fall in love, they must now embark on the difficult task of overcoming the ingrained hatred between the families. And now that Evelyn's secret is out, Graham must fight to protect Evelyn from her terrifying past. There will be spoilers beyond this point. We have a content warning for ableism, abuse, and captivity. And we have an exciting switcheroo this time because. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Can you feel the excitement? You sound like you're in dread. <laughs> Perhaps that's because I am. <laughs> Because Em will be doing the summarizing for this episode. I'm so excited. You guys are getting quite a treat. <sighs> Hold on to your butts. Or someone else's butt. With consent. <laughs> so, Em. Mm-hmm. Why don't you give us some background. Set the stage, if you will. Okay, so what we have here is the Hatfields and the McCoys... In ye old Scotland. I'm not sure exactly what year, because I don't think it's said, but ye oldie. I guess if we Googled it, because there's a Scottish king that made a treaty with the English king, so we could probably figure it out that way, but <laughs> I didn't do any research. I probably should have since I was doing the summary, but it just didn't occur to me. So here we are. Anyway, so they hate each other. Basically, because Evelyn's grandfather killed Graham's father. At least as far as we know, maybe since this is a series, maybe that will be refuted. But at this point, it isn't. I think that was the most recent thing that happened because of the feud. Oh, goody. Recent murder. So (laughs) the king is like, you know... (laughs) I want everybody to be united. Y'all are playing a ball, so screw it. You get to marry you, Yahtzee. (laughs) (laughs) And then he goes about his kingly life because he can't be bothered to give a shit. Um, He doesn't even show up for the wedding because he doesn't care. He sends an earl. He's like, you can listen to the complaints. I'm I'm not. I'm just not. (laughs) He pats himself on the back and he's like, good job, me. (laughs) Yep. Situation managed. (laughs) <laughs> I'm so good at this. Brilliant. <laughs> Something you need to know about Evelyn before the story starts is she has had an accident that has left her deaf. I think it also gives her headaches. I think initially. Yeah. So the reason she has that accident is she's trying to avoid being married to a guy named Ian. We don't like him. For her or for anybody. No, Ian is like horrible. Yes. He's terrible. And short, but more on that later. (laughs) Small Ian. Yes. 
Ah, little wee man. So he... (laughs) He's like, I want to marry you. And she's like, "Um, you're a terrible person. No, thank you. I think I'd rather flee off into the highlands. So she tries that. Only it doesn't go so well. Despite her being an accomplished horsewoman, things go awry. She gets hurt. She's not really sure of the extent of her injuries. Once she does, she kind of plays it up because she really doesn't want to marry him. She thinks she's going to be abused and she's probably right. To to be fair, she before she did this, before she tried to run away, she went to her father with her concerns and she's like, dad, this guy is terrible. Please don't make me marry him. And her dad brushed her off saying, oh, it's just maidenly fear. Yeah, he's great. It'll be fine. You're just afraid of the wedding night. It'll be fine. Mm-hmm. Go pick out your wedding dress. So gross. <laughs> so as a result now, she lives a life of isolation. She has taken to not speaking because now that she's deaf, she doesn't know how loud she is. And she also doesn't want to alert anybody to anything. And as a result, she now gets labeled as being daft or touched, depending on who's talking about her supposedly her family loves and cherishes and coddles her and all this but somehow years have passed and they've never figured any of this out no so they just assume that her mental acuity is that of a child i guess or maybe crazy i don't know we're really not sure because these terms and i googled these are the definitions that google offered Daft is defined as silly, foolish, slow-witted is a synonym for it. Uh, Touched is defined as slightly insane, crazy. Sort of my personal definition, just growing up, you'd hear people referred to as touched. And usually that was referred to as like a touched by God. Usually to mean like their mental state is not quote unquote normal whatever that is. Yeah, because they were affected by the closeness with a higher power. Yeah, something like that. So I don't really know which of these varied definitions the author intended, but she throws those words around a lot when describing Evelyn. I think a good example of Evelyn's quote-unquote daft behavior is because she doesn't hear She doesn't play by the rules of the hearing folk. So Mm -hmm. while she's taught herself to lip read, if she's looking at your face, she can understand you. If she's not, she has no idea if you're talking or not. And so we'll just wander off and do whatever the fuck she wants without worrying about social norms. And because of this, her family especially kind of seem to feel like she falls in and out of a state of clarity. Where, you know, if they're talking to her and she's looking at them, she seems to understand, she seems to know what's going on. But if they're not, then she just kind of wanders around and she's in her own little world, kind of. Yeah, she's given a great degree of freedom as a result, but yeah, like I mentioned, she is isolated. I don't know. I Maybe it's due to the time period um, in which the story takes place or something, but I found it kind of difficult to think that Especially her mother didn't try harder to understand what was going on with her daughter. Yeah. The father, he's he's a big, strong laird. He has other problems to deal with. But the mother? Or even her favorite brother, Brody, who 
defends her when she is later called defective. Yeah. I don't know. It's like her family just decided, oh, well, that's what it is. <laughs> and never questioned it again. Yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, her her lip reading skills, just FYI, are superb. It was difficult for me to believe that they were that good. Well, fiction. <laughs> yeah, just the assumption. Because lip reading is hard. And then also, it's probably important to say that she's not like 100% unhearing. She can hear certain frequencies, like especially lower registers. Yes. She can't necessarily understand words, but she can hear the sound. Anyway, so we'll, we'll get into the summary. The Montgomery clan, Graham's clan, is the first to receive their little message for, guess what you get to do, buddy? You get to marry her. And then the, oh no, but she's daft. The travesty. And how will she perform as a wife? Yeah, Graham is worried that he's going to be giving up the opportunity to pass on his line and his name by being saddled with this wife that he couldn't actually have as a real wife. Do you feel like the hidden message was what good is she for then? Well, yeah, because the whole point is that she's, I mean, <laughs> she's she's essentially royalty, right? She's mm -hmm. she's the laird's daughter. She's an aristocrat. So really the whole point of her existence as a daughter in her station is political. Mm -hmm. Her use politically is as a marriage pawn to solidify either an alliance or in this case, a truce, some sort of bond between her clan and another clan. And if she can't serve fully, then she is kind of useless in that role to an extent because she's not as valuable as a woman who could bear children. And, and they're all assuming that, of course... <laughs> Whoever she marries wouldn't take advantage of her poor childlike disposition that they all assume she has. I mean, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> as far as I know, her uterus didn't get broken when she fell off the horse. So, <laughs> I mean, it could be kind of dark, but <laughs> she could potentially serve that purpose in a way, but not in the most <laughs> ideal way. <laughs> And not in a way that I feel good about. <laughs> I know, it does make you feel kind of gross. So who else <laughs> is feeling gross is her family who gets the same message. Only, you know, marrying that guy. And they're like, but no, she'll be but a lamb to the slaughter because she's so innocent. She can't know anything. Love that. She's like a child. <laughs> yeah, basically. So here I have the question. Do you feel like her family really loves her? <laughs> oh, gosh. I, I mean, how do you define love, right? <laughs> well, the Greeks had multiple kinds of love. They, they protect her. They do the best they know how, I think, to be there for her. I think they love her, but they've also kind of written her off. She's my sweet, innocent little angel. And of course, she can live here as long as she wants and we'll protect her and take care of her forever and ever. But we're not going to really try with her 
figure it out, make her living situation better, see if her situation can be improved so she can interact more fully with the family, etc. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They've just kind of given up on her in a way. I don't think they don't love her, though. What about you? I think like you, like they do love her, but there are limits to what they're willing to do. Or able to do. Or able to, you're right. I I kind of wonder if she doesn't feel safe because she keeps the ruse going. Yeah, she's afraid if she if she lets them know that she's deaf, but has no diminished mental capacity, then she'll still potentially have to marry crappy short Ian. Yes. And she does not want to deal with him at all. Like, she's terrified of him. Like I said, I just, I kind of wonder. See, and that's the other thing, though. Like, I kind of wonder if she talked to her mom. Like, if, like, would her mom give her up and say, oh, yeah, no, I learned the truth about Evelyn and now she has to marry short Ian? She might if if the father said so. Yeah. Because his word would be law. So, Yeah. She's in a tough spot. So maybe even if they really, really tried, they wouldn't ever break through to her because she won't allow it because she's terrified. And I mean, as as we see later in the story, once word gets out, there's no putting the genie back in the bottle. Yeah. So it makes kind of sense. So another person who doesn't seem to really care about Evelyn's well-being is the king and the earl. <laughs> nope. So the earl does show up <laughs> in the king's stead. Hey, represent the king. How you doing? Tavis, the father of the bride, approaches him and is like, can this not happen, please? <laughs> to which he says, nope, she's my political bargaining chip and we want peace at her expense. Sorry. Not sorry. Fuck you. So anyway, like, because there's a wedding, so clans get together. Uneasy politeness. Blows almost happen. Because they're just so good at getting along. This is when someone, I forget who, calls Evelyn defective. Brody comes to her defense. I think one of Graham's brothers. Yes. Yeah, one of his charming little brothers. Graham tries to keep the peace. Tries to get to Rowena and be like, no, no, I would never hurt a woman. She's going to be fine. (laughs) Do we believe him? (laughs) Do you think Rowena (laughs) believes him? Oh, dear. I know Tavis was like, she's really polite. She's acting super polite to these people. Is she going to poison them? (laughs) I know. (laughs) I was like, hmm. I kind of wanted to get to know Rowena a little bit better. But her concerns are twofold, really, because partly she doesn't trust the Montgomery clan at all. And she's concerned about the welfare of her child being alone in that group of horrible people because they've all been taught to believe that the other clan is evil and bad and horrible and cannot be trusted it at all and then her second more personal concern is that her baby girl is getting married evelyn doesn't know anything about sex (laughs) she has some expectations about marriage but she really doesn't have a whole lot to go on because I think she missed out on a lot of the training she would have received if she hadn't been, quote, daft, unquote. Yeah, she assumes that she's missed out, which, yeah, maybe she did. Yeah, she knows she's supposed to, like, run a household. And I think 
have a family, but I don't think she necessarily knows either of those jobs very well. Right. And then Rowena also thinks that Evelyn has the mental capacity of a child. Yeah. So she feels like she's giving the evil Montgomery's a child bride. <laughs> yeah. In a way, right? Mm-hmm. Evelyn is physically adult, but Rowena doesn't consider her to be mentally adult. Yes. I think Graham does try really hard to address Rowena's concerns. I think he has a good understanding of how she's feeling. And I think he has strong ethics that he tries to convey about not harming an innocent. And he feels that Evelyn has no place in the quarrel between the two clans, really. She's an innocent. I, I don't think he's 100% successful because how can he be? Yeah. Because the way that Rowena and everyone else in the Armstrong clan thinks of the Montgomery clan, they've all been raised to think that they're evil and horrible people. And do you also think that part of the protections that he assures her that he can offer, they're physical. Like, no physical threat will harm her. Like, that's the only kind of pain. Yeah, and who knows what, <laughs> and from, from Rowena's standpoint, how does she know what Graham means by harm? Does that mean he's going to force himself on her daughter or not? Yeah. It would be his right to. Yep. In the culture time period and whatnot. Mm -hmm. She would be his property at that point. <laughs> so. Yay, yieldy times thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I guess my answer is no, but he does do a good job trying. <laughs> he tries. And so while he's trying to, <laughs> to allay her concerns, Evelyn hears... I don't know if hears is the right way to put it, but there are faint vibrations in her ears because of his nice, low, manly voice. She's intrigued by this. Yes. He has a magical low voice. She goes over and goes to interact with him. This is surprising because she never does this, I guess. So Rowena kind of has a moment. Interesting. Like an oh shit moment, really. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I put this in the notes because I always find descriptions like this very weird. So Evelyn, when she sees him, because she wants to look for basically the most commanding presence in the room. And she just assumes that's going to be Graham. And it is because romance. <laughs> it's just how it works. So her thoughts of him are he could likely break her bones with a single squeeze. Yep. And then like her thoughts move on and I'm going... Are, are you not concerned? You didn't like Ian because <laughs> you were afraid of physical harm. What do you think about this guy? He could snap me like a twig. It's fine. <laughs> I mean, she can't do anything about it. Maybe she could try to escape again. I don't know. So what are your thoughts of things like that? <laughs> oh, uh... <laughs> I think for a lot of readers, that sort of thing is titillating. The idea of being so dainty and small and fragile next to a big, strong, powerful guy can be attractive. Yeah, but to put it in terms of physical harm. 
<laughs> this is the part I don't get. Because it's part of how he's so manly. Okay. Um, Men hurt people. That's how you define men, right? Like, men are physically powerful and will <laughs> use that power to harm. I mean, I don't mm. necessarily believe that, but it is like a stereotype, you know, like the whole toxic yes. masculinity thing. And <laughs> no, I get it. <laughs> I think it's just, oh, he's so dangerous and large and powerful, mm. but he'll be good with me. Like he wouldn't hurt me even though he could. Even though I'm thinking of him in terms of him hurting me, it'll be fine. No, it's he could hurt me, but he won't. So he's able to control his manly strength, which makes him so much more attractive. <laughs> Thinking of his strength in terms of getting hurt. Anyway, I don't think I'm saying that right. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want someone to control, to be able to control their manly strength? Yes. Control, yes. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I, I don't know. Like, I, I, I've never had that experience of, they could do me bodily harm. Well, isn't that attractive? Like, I don't... No, me neither. <laughs> I don't... I don't get it. But this is a fantasy. This is this is in the realm of fantasy. Kind of like, um, like a dark romance, you know, where he'll hurt everyone except her. It's just along those same lines. It's, I don't get that way of thinking. No, but it's, it's just another version of that, I think. I appreciate that it is fantasy. I appreciate that other people have that fantasy. But I don't. That's okay. Yeah, that's fine. So anyway, Evelyn's into it. And into him. She really is. She really, really is. Like, immediately. She is. She takes his hand. She's like, that's my hand now. Yep. So this, of course, she wants the marriage. This helps signify that. So after that happens, Graham and Tavis go to have their little sit down. Which is where Tavis says, hey, dude, she's scared of horses. I will send a cart with you. She doesn't like horses. No, she did. But she's scared of them now. Uh And that's also where they say, hey, you can come on my land. But only for visitation and only limited peoples. Right. We might be bonded in marriage, but we are not family. We don't trust. Nope. Graham has that moment where he goes, oh, no, the heirs I could have. She's daft. (laughs) he laments there's lots of lamenting it's so true i mean that's his primary issue at the beginning of the story is that he's not going to be able to pass down his his genetic material it's so important for me to do that that and he can't cheat on his wife that it just goes against his ethics so while he's having this lamentable moment or moment of lamenting evelyn finds his room Goes in there. They sort of navigate a conversation in which he manages to piss her off and she punches him in the nose. Because he's like, I will treat you respectfully. Yeah. Which is, I guess, not like a wife. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) At first, it feels like he's talking to her like she's a peer almost, you know, like another adult. And then he starts to talk about what he presumes their future will be like and that is not treating her like an adult (laughs) (laughs) so she punches him yep they part ways and then the next time they see each other is on their wedding day like at the altar 
He pays her a compliment. She seems to respond. Rowena catches this and is like, hmm, this is strange. Graham suspects, because he sees all of this and he's perceptive, that maybe there's more to Evelyn than he's thinking. Perhaps she's not as daft as she seems. And then they promptly leave. So once the marriage is done, they're just like, peace, we're out. (laughs) Yep. Fuck off to Montgomery land. Yeah, which is not all that far, but Evelyn's literally never been anywhere else. So for her, it's a big adventure. She's never been out of, out of her family's keep, right? Like, she's nope. been very close this whole time. But it's a whole new world over there in Montgomery Land because they hate her and her people. And Graham just seems to think that I will make a speech and everyone will behave. The hatred will be <laughs> maybe not gone, but it will be quelled. Diffused. We will all get along. We'll hold hands. We'll, you know, chant. It'll be great. They'll see Evelyn the way I see her, as an innocent in the situation. Yes, they'll never harm her. Evelyn is a little bit more perceptive than him, because she's like, well, whatever he said, it is not going over very well. Lots (laughs) of people look displeased. So she marshals her strength and gets on with it. Yep. And getting on with it means getting escorted to the guest room, which she's like, wait a minute, this is not the Laird's room. Which is where I should be. And that, of course, makes her oh so happy. And she doesn't want to be like a wife hidden in the tower sort of situation. You know, that never ends well. <laughs> no. I mean, look, look at Rochester, for example. <laughs> Especially if fire is involved. <laughs> <laughs> Although, is the fire not the will of God? So, you know, it's fine. You never know. <laughs> crazy woman question mark will of god question mark (laughs) the reader can judge (laughs) i guess it depends on how you interpret this so graham has a little sit down with his sister rory who's 15 16 and he's like so okay i'm really busy i'd love it if you could like watch evelyn like watch out for her you know kind of babysitter maybe a little bit just make sure everything goes okay. And Rory, the astute girl she is, goes, Okay, I'll do this, but I want something in return. I <laughs> want to know how to read and write. Yes, like a man. Hell yeah. Yeah, I'll babysit your wife, but you gotta get me the father drum in time. Which he agrees to. So how do you feel about this? How do you feel about him just going, Hey sister, um, take care of my wife for me. Thanks, bye. I'm so conflicted about this situation because on (laughs) one hand, I could see it. You know, he's like, okay, it would be really cool if my wife had another female friend. The only female I trust is my sister Rory. I'll ask her to reach out to my wife. If you look at it that way, it seems kind, right? Uh Uh-huh. I'm looking out for my wife. I trust my sister to, to be a good friend to her. She needs friends here more than ever. (laughs) But Rory is a kid (laughs) and really shouldn't be given that responsibility to make sure Evelyn is okay. That is a lot to ask of a kid. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just like, oh, can you be Evelyn's friend? It's like... 
oh, can you be Evelyn's friend? And I'm going to go pretend I'm not married. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to forget she exists because she's not good enough for me. (laughs) Or is it not good enough? Or just like, I feel like I won't be able to communicate or I don't want to take the time to get to know who she is because I already feel like I know who she is. Or is it because he feels tempted by her and doesn't want to indulge in those temptations because he feels that would be wrong? I don't know. Who knows? What did you think about the whole Rory situation? I thought, similarly to you and how it's expressed in the book, which is he doesn't want to be tempted by her. Because again, he thinks of her as maybe having a child's intelligence and he just doesn't want to creep himself out which fair enough (laughs) and i think it's also like i don't want to deal with this right now i'll deal with it later i think he also thinks he's got it figured out but he doesn't want to also take the time even though he saw something at the wedding i see something in her eyes like maybe maybe there's something there that i i didn't realize was there but he doesn't want to actually take the time to do it (laughs) He's like, I will give this responsibility to someone else. I think he's trying to compartmentalize a bit. I don't think that he's gonna not try to figure her out. I think he's just like, I'm gonna put her in her box over there so everything can stay safe. And I also hadn't considered this. There are moments where he doesn't want to show preferential treatment to the Armstrong woman, so to speak. Yes. And this might be an extension of that. I might be being too unkind. (laughs) Well, no, because, I mean, there is textual evidence where he's concerned about the feelings of his clan, which, I mean, are as justified as, as far as he knows. He also has that animosity toward the Armstrongs, the very same animosity that everyone in his clan feels. Yes. Doesn't he, like, pray to his father's ghost to, like, give him strength or something along those lines? Yeah, I think he's a little idealistic because he thinks, well, I've decided that, yeah, she's an Armstrong, but it's not her fault. So she's fine. And if I just tell everyone in my clan that she's fine, they'll just accept it. But it's not that easy. <laughs> no, Rory even like offers up the thing of like, can't Father Drummond say that she isn't here on behalf of the devil, <laughs> basically, <laughs> to help convince the clan that you know she's cool yeah because they've heard rumors about evelyn but no one really has seen her or met her so they don't really know what her deal is they just know she's weird yes that could be the work of the devil you never know yeah you never know so yeah the the (laughs) servants don't know which is why he thinks they're too hostile i can't have them look after evelyn and my brothers hate her which is clear because they even say so so he's like great so everyone's against me but rory is not against evelyn she goes to check on her like she's supposed to rory encounters evelyn who is quite emotional wanting to know where uh graham's room is i love this scene (laughs) me too so they get they find a way to communicate just fine And Rory figures out what she wants, and she's like, oh, you want to know where my brother sleeps? Yeah, okay. (laughs) Toads, let's do this. (laughs) Hell yeah, I'll help you move your heavy trunks. Exactly. So they become friends. Rory 
likes her to the point where when Kirsten starts making little snide remarks, Rory defends her. Yeah, Kirsten's one of the servants who serves during meals and does other things in the household. Yes, and Rory has tried to, like, get Graham to understand, because, of course, when Graham goes to look for his wife and his wife isn't where he thinks she's supposed to be, Rory says, hey, dude, she understands things. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. But he's just like, no, no, she doesn't. She can't. She can't possibly. No. I don't think that's accurate. I think that he suspects (laughs) just the same. He just wants to verify. Yes. So perhaps that verification will happen. We'll have to stay tuned. <laughs> Tune in for the next couple minutes and you'll find out. Ellen is afraid to incur Graham's wrath if she explains her truth. So she is very invested in keeping it under wraps. So even when he may show interest, she won't. But she does show interest when Rory mentions that she's going to learn to read and write. Which is, again, where Rory's like, hey, dude, you might want to rethink this whole daft thing. She wants to read and write. I think Evelyn is afraid of losing the kindness that Graham has bestowed upon her. If he learns that she isn't daft, then he won't be nice to her anymore. Like, that's why he's treating her this way. The kindness, the protection, all that stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. So we have a pretty important scene, which is in mealtime. We're all sitting around. Oh, yes. Um, Yes, that scene. After he says, I'll protect you. Um, (laughs) I promise, I promise I'll protect you, Evelyn. (laughs) Kirsten, who we love so much, who has called Evelyn names, she stumbles, oh no, and her tankard falls into Evelyn's lap. Not just her lap, her chest, her arms, like, basically an ale bath. Yep. Evelyn is humiliated. Evelyn goes to leave, because I think Kristen apologizes to Graham, not to Evelyn. Yes. And then she starts cleaning up from Graham, so, like, flicking all the liquid (laughs) onto Evelyn. (laughs) (laughs) Which, you know, goes over so well. Rory calls Kristen a bitch, to which Kristen says, she isn't my lady sassy not the fun kind of sassy and this is where graham again he's like trying to be mr peacemaker no it's it's fine people just need time to adjust i mean we've hated the armstrongs for a very long time i was so mad at him in this moment me too oh so furious because by doing nothing he's making a choice he's choosing the clan over his wife's safety that he promised her. Yeah. By doing nothing, he is basically saying you can mistreat her. It's fine. And when Kirsten says she isn't my lady. So I think that Graham could have overlooked the ale thing. Oh yeah, no, of course it was a mistake, obviously. Yes. It'd be kind of dumb about it or whatever. But when Kirsten says she isn't my lady, that is a direct... (laughs) confrontational statement Mm -hmm. where she's saying i do not accept this marriage i do not accept this woman as an addition to the montgomery clan she has no authority over me and graham should have shut that shit down like immediately yes he should have so i guess possibly to to mend fences maybe to to make her feel better 
They sleep together. Not the sexy times, just sleep. Just sleep. <laughs> so how how did that, for you as a romance reader, with the conflict that just happened, how do you feel like that played in? The, we'll just sleep together. Doesn't this make you feel better? I'm your husband, see? We're sleeping in the same bed. I just felt so bad for Evelyn because she's in the room trying to clean all that ale off of her. It's in her hair for crying out loud. She doesn't feel safe to go take a bath. So she's doing the sponge bath thing in her room, their room. And when he comes in, he averts his eyes while she gets ready and everything for bed. And she lays down in bed and she's just upset. And I think he just doesn't know what to do. Yeah. He doesn't know how to handle this because he's not sure how to fix this. I mean, this is a huge problem. It's not an easily fixable problem. It involves many, many people (laughs) with very strong feelings. Yes. And I don't think he's necessarily equipped for that. No. Especially because he's not sure how invested he should allow himself to be in his wife. Which isn't that sad. Yeah, it's so sad. And to top it all off, he gets in bed with her innocently, thinking, okay, well, I'll let her stay here tonight at least. Because I can't kick her out of my bed now. That's just too much. Well, not only that, but that would also look bad to everybody, right? Because then he would be rejecting her publicly (laughs) to the servants. But he's also, even with all that, tempted by her still like he's still into her but he doesn't want to be but he is (laughs) yes i mean ultimately i'm just like god grant you know grow a pair please (laughs) get to know your wife find out he he just puts it off for so long poor evelyn is going to bed with fucking beer in her hair yeah i mean he let a servant call her names and diminish her in front of everybody. Oh, but if it was a man with a sword, he would have protected her and defended her. He promised he would keep her safe. He didn't do very much conflict resolution (laughs) in this part of the story at all. He really did not. I think he was just hoping that it would sort itself out and it's just not going to. And Evelyn knows it. And so she's just like, you know what? I'm just going to go to bed and tomorrow will be a new day. I really think that's her perspective at this point. Yeah, you're probably right. And yeah, they have a bit of sexual tension and intimacy and whatnot. There is some of that with the sharing of the bed and the undressing, but not looking and, you know, but it's, it's overshadowed by all this other stuff. Yeah, I felt that way too. So the next day, Evelyn's like, my hair smells like beer. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go wash in the river. And so she goes to do that. And she can swim. Yay. And Graham doesn't know that because he knows so much about his wife. So when he sees her in the water, he insta panics and then goes to save her. Yeah. So then she's like, oh, my God, he's flailing in the water. Does he need help? (laughs) Because apparently he's that good of a swimmer. I thought she was like, dumbass, I'm fine. (laughs) Yeah, I know I was thinking that. I was like, she is legit completely fine. You are overreacting. You are looking for the wrong threats, you dipshit. (laughs) Seriously. Do you think there's a water monster that's going to come after her? 
Maybe. <laughs> so it's in the river that they share their first kiss, which Evelyn initiates. And he's like, oh, this is great. Oh, wait. No, no, this is bad. This is very bad. And so he pulls away, which then leaves her feeling really good about herself. And then they get out of the river and he like does this over bundle where he like wraps her up. You will be dry and warm and have all these layers of fabric on you to protect you from me. No touchies. Yeah, he rolls her up in like a burrito and basically... Uh. we also get the yes she's afraid of horses because they were going to take horses back and then she is scared and looks scared and he's like on second thought we'll walk back yeah he carries her because she's a burrito (laughs) she likes this by the way she's into this she's getting cared for by her husband Uh she's into it but along the way she is wondering Does he pity me? Because thoughts turn to that when you're left alone to think. Although she's not alone. She's in his arms, but she feels alone. And he's like, oh no, am I I attracted to her? And I shouldn't be because she might not have her right mind available to her. I have leaving the bedroom, but I don't. So I guess they go to the bedroom, obviously, because if she's leaving it. He drops her off and then he's like, okay, I'm out. (laughs) (laughs) And that was too much closeness for me. Goodbye. (laughs) So then when she leaves the room, she encounters Kristen. Kirsten. Kirsten, whatever her name is. Kirsten. You know, she's her charming self, slinging the insults, and Evelyn's just... Fucking Kirsten. Yeah, she's had enough. So she's like, you know what? Fuck this shit. She grabs a sword and then chases after Kirsten, just shouting out. Basically, get out of my life. And it's not just Kirsten, it's like some other women also. They've all ganged up on her. And this, in this moment where she's like charging after them with the sword, defending herself, that's when, that is when he goes, she can talk. And now he's like, well, she's not daft then because she can talk. Uh, Which if any of you are irritated, feel free to enjoy that. (laughs) (laughs) His brothers are like, oh, she, she can talk. We will defend her now. <laughs> so yeah, Graham and the brothers all kind of get together and they're like, fuck these women. Let's send them to the fields. They're mistreating our... I mean, he's a Laird. Was he the lady? Lairdy? Whatever. Yeah, so that this is the moment where her life like turns around. Like suddenly they give a shit about her. I think <laughs> you're not giving them very much credit because there no, is a conversation... <laughs> There is a conversation before this where Graham has a talk with his brothers and they're iffy on Evelyn and he says, well, if you're not going to support me, you can challenge me. And they both agree that they're going to support him. So they're on his side before this happens. But I think you're right that they're more emotionally invested now that she can talk. Yeah. So yeah, so from this moment on, their physical intimacy increases, he's more possessive of her, but that also might be because he now realizes that, you know, his people will just straight up mistreat her if he doesn't actually pick a side and show support. And this is also where the brothers, like, go, well, she had her accident later, so she probably can still have kids. Cheer up, bro. Yay. Yep. It's great. 
Uh, she could probably have kids if she were born deaf, too. Guys. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. Yeah. They don't. I mean, there's just a little shade of that. ew in there, right? Yep. More than a little. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so now Grandma's willing to be around her more. So I guess that's why Rory kind of fades more into the background. Plus, you know, she has her reading and writing to keep her busy. It's also where Grandma's like, hey, she lip reads really well. This could be an asset. Don't worry, nothing will come of it in the story. Yeah, nothing happens with that. I was so pissed. (laughs) I know, I was like, ooh, we can have intrigue, like political intrigue. No? Okay, well, moving on. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. So this is where Rory happens to mention also, oh, I was hanging out with Evelyn so that I could learn to read and write. Evelyn's feelings are hurt because, you know, she feels a little bit used and made fun of. But don't worry, Evelyn forgives her. It's fine. Because Graham gets upset and plays protector man over her feelings, but eh. Well, Rory Rory instantly realizes that she said it in that way that makes it sound really bad and not how she intended it. And then yes. Evelyn won't look at her, essentially making it so that Rory can't talk to her. Because unless Evelyn is seeing her talking, she can't understand her. Graham steps in and asks Evelyn to let Rory explain. And she does. And I think Rory does a good apology. She does. So Rory apologizes. Evelyn accepts. Now that all everything is good, at least temporarily, now we have the sexy times. Oh, yeah. So, yay, physical intimacy achieved. Do you think Graham would have ever seen past her not speaking to regard her intellect as normal, fine, good, and thus form a romantic attachment to Evelyn. I think so, because there's that scene where where they communicate before she actually starts talking. Mm -hmm. He realizes that she's not what he thought she was, and I think he would have eventually gotten to that point. I do think, though, that her speaking makes her fitting in a lot easier for everybody else (laughs) yes it makes her more palatable to everybody else but i think he would have gotten there because he was already feeling that way toward her and he already to a certain extent knew that she understood yeah you know i don't think that he would have thought she was childlike forever what do you think i agree with you i think he would have gotten there eventually i think that's also why i find sort of the order of events more irritating or unsettling or something because it's like he he could have he could have gotten there without it i think he could have gotten there and i don't know why that wasn't pursued i think it's because it changes the extent of her life Hmm. if they develop that closeness and intimacy and he's in love with her and they're having sex and he trusts her and all that And then he finds out, whoa, you can talk. I think that's a bigger deal Hmm. than if he finds out before that happens. Maybe. I think it is because I I assume he would feel betrayed by that. Like, you hid this from me. Maybe. And since it comes out sooner, he doesn't have as much of a personal stake in it, I think. Hmm. And so it's less of a hurting secret. It's more of just a... Oh, that's interesting. I wonder why she kept that hidden. And then when he finds out, he's like, oh, well, that makes sense. But 
I think if he'd been in love with her and they'd been intimate and he felt close to her and trusted her and all those things and then found out it wouldn't be just an, Oh, I wonder why you kept that a secret. It would be like, why did you keep that a secret from me? Yeah. Of all people. And it would be hurtful. I don't know if the author thought about it this much, but I assume that's why it happened in the way in the order it did. Maybe. I mean, maybe that was her intent. I don't know. Well, speaking of intent, after they consummate the marriage, Evelyn now feels like, (laughs) well, I am the lady of the house. So what is the lady of the house going to do? Well, she feels like she has to earn clan acceptance because that's how she feels she can best serve Graham and herself, get rid of the animosity. She's like, well, I just need to prove myself. That's what it is. She goes to Nora the new, I guess, head housekeeper? I think she's been the head housekeeper. Oh, maybe she has been there. I think she just becomes more prominent after Kirsten leaves. <laughs> yeah, so bye, Kirsten. <laughs> Hello, Nora. I hope you're better. You're probably not. <laughs> so, yeah, so, and this is also when Evelyn's... Is this where Evelyn's secret comes out? Mm-hmm. After Graham learns that Evelyn can talk and they have sex and everything... He calls a clan meeting and has like everybody show up and he's like, hey, guys, be nice to my wife. (laughs) And they look all pissy about it. She had to keep the secret. Isn't that when he does that? Yeah, I think. Yeah, the secret comes out before. I don't know. I guess I cut it out of my notes when I was editing. (laughs) Good job, me. I think it's after they have sex when that happens. Yes, I believe you're right. Because Graham stupidly slash idealistically thinks that this will solve everything yes he will fix he can just explain it to everyone and they'll accept her yep oh foolish Graham. so this is explained to nora she knows that evelyn hid her speaking ability as as a means of safety which i think just makes nora extra shitty Mm mm-hmm Evelyn goes to Nora and is like, hey, I want to prove myself. Allow me to help with the chores, with the housekeeping. And Nora's like, okay. Part, part of it is that Evelyn wants to be the lady of the, of the house, which means that she runs the household and she doesn't know how to do that. So she wants Nora to help her learn how to do that. Yes. So she's going to gain experience in the housekeeping realm and Nora's going to take her to school. Mm-hmm. Nora and all the other housekeeping persons sort of get together and devise work for her that leaves her exhausted and injured. Like her hands get all blistered and cut and all kinds of stuff, Um, which she keeps this, of course, from Graham because she's like, well, if Graham saw that I was getting hurt, he'd forbid me to do it or something. Right. And she wants to prove herself. Exactly. She doesn't want to be stopped. So she hides this. And Graham sees her working really hard, sees how tired she is, and he even approaches Rory and is like, I think I need to put a stop to this. And Rory, who doesn't really have an understanding of what Evelyn is being put through, says, no, you better let her do what she wants. Don't forbid her from doing this. And so he takes her advice. Because Rory thinks that Evelyn is just learning the stuff. She doesn't think that she's being taken advantage of. True. She doesn't. And and Rory at this point, Rory and Evelyn both are doing the reading and writing education 
which is something Rory, as we know, has been really looking forward to. So I imagine she's also a little bit distracted. True. And also, it's really not fair to expect 15-year-old yes. girl to <laughs> monitor the motives of Nora, who is the house... I mean, she's the head housekeeper. So I'm presuming she's probably at least middle-aged. Presumably. A full adult at any rate. Over this time, Graham and Evelyn are getting closer and closer, enjoying each other's company a lot. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. They sit down for a meal, and it is at this point that Graham notices her hands. He finally notices the blisters and the cuts and all that good stuff. And he's fine with it. No, he's totally pissed. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's infuriated. So he's like, uh, Nora. (laughs) And ladies, although not actually ladies, get your asses in here. And so he gets to the bottom of it and finds out that the tasks being asked of her, the carrying of the logs and all of that. He's like, no, we do not ask the woman to do this because it is dangerous. What the fuck have you been asked to do? And now Evelyn feels humiliated. And Nora, I don't know if she feels anything because she's mean. So who knows what she feels? Probably justified. Like, well, she deserved it. Yeah, probably. But the thing is, though, is the way Graham handled it was just so messed up. Yeah. Questioning the women in front of Evelyn. And then Evelyn just feels she feels stupid and small and and all that. And it just how is he a leader? I just it's because he's the oldest. He is the firstborn boy that we know of. So he is given it because of that. I don't buy him as an effective leader. No, he's not really a good leader in the capacity of caring for, you know, the emotions of his people. I agree with you. I guess he doesn't have like, I mean, okay, this is in long, long ago, Scotland, you know, so they, they don't have as much leisure time maybe as they normally would. And they are concerned with more pressing matters like safety and not starving to death and not freezing to death and that kind of thing. To be fair, very important. (laughs) (laughs) right and and you kind of have to have all those things taken care of before you can worry about people's feelings i i get it but dude (laughs) like there's he just has it feels like a very childish understanding of how other people think like he just thinks everybody thinks the way he does yeah well they're supposed to because he's the ruler so they're supposed to just obey and change their thinking because he told them to He's really not good at considering other viewpoints. (laughs) No, (laughs) he's not. Or other people's motives. Oh my gosh. What motives? They don't have motives. That means they have independent thought and can do things on their own. No. He drives me crazy. (laughs) So while he is fuming and shaming people and his brothers are standing with him to protect Evelyn and he's making all the new rules... Because that'll work. Uh, Evelyn fucks off. She's like, you know what? My feelings are hurt. I'm done. I don't want to be here anymore. I'm taking my shit and I'm going home. I think, maybe. I'm just leaving. She's in a place where she wants to give up. Mm-hmm. She feels like she tried really, really, really hard. And instead of taking that in good faith, Nora and the other women took advantage of her and treated her poorly. And she feels like she's never going to make any headway with these people. And at least her parents liked her. <laughs> yes. She's like, 
I could just go wandering around and it was fine. I, I think I prefer that to this. So she leaves. She she disappears. And when, when it is noticed that she has disappeared, Graham's like, um, where's my wife? I I thought I had a wife. Where'd she be? So they go searching. She is found. I guess it's in this moment where they're sitting together, kind of surveying their land and all the goodness that, that they are together, that the question comes up of where are her loyalties? She's ready to leave. She's like, I don't want to be a Montgomery anymore if I ever was. I'm an Armstrong. Maybe. <laughs> He's like, okay, you know, I want you to stay. But if you really want to go, I will let you go. You can go. I promise. Yeah, because he cares about her. He does. It's at this point that he's in love with her and he's willing to give her up to keep her happy. As as they're experiencing this moment together and before she makes a choice, a helmeted dude shows up donning Armstrong design and shoots Graham because why not? He's there. Yep. And then he rides off because that was his whole point of being there. Just to shoot Graham. Yep. And poor Evelyn is like, I need to get help. So she braves her fear of horses and gets help. Yes, this is a very momentous occasion because up until this point, she's been basically panic attack level anytime she's near a horse. Yes. And Graham's horse is huge and dangerous. Yes. And she hasn't ridden in a long time and she fucking rides this horse like hell back to get help for Graham. Like, the demons of hell are after her. Yeah. So she gets some help for Graham and then does not leave his side because she just cares about him so much. I mean, she did overcome her horse phobia, after all. And she also does an amazing thing where she's like, yeah, he was attacked by a guy wearing my father's insignias and stuff. So I think my dad's to blame. So I guess that makes me a Montgomery now because, yeah, that was wrong. Because <laughs> I care about him, and how how dare he shoot the man I love, or at least have very warm feelings towards. The brothers are kind of suspicious of this. They're like, I don't know. I think if your dad was going to actually commit an act of war, because this is in effect treason against the king at this point, if they fight again. Yeah, because he is that pissed. <laughs> then he probably wouldn't have just sent one dude. Yeah. And so they decide to wait to act until Graham wakes up and is able to make a decision. They kick the ball. But I mean, perhaps that is the wisest choice rather than acting rashly. I mean, they have to act to learn what actually happened, you know? And I think that they just don't want to overstep, maybe? Does Graham not have a second? Like, (laughs) is there not like a vice laird? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I would assume that he ha- he'd have advisors that would take over if he was incapacitated. If nothing else, I would think it would be the next oldest brother. That's what I was thinking. But it's not mentioned. And maybe they're afraid, like, well, if, if we do and he wakes up and he's pissed, then I don't want to have to deal with it. So we'll just wait. Yeah. Although he's not really the angry, raw type. No. But maybe he's with his brothers. So who knows? He was kind of alpha with his brothers, where he was like, if you don't like how I do things, you can challenge me and take over. I feel like that was pretty hardcore. And his brothers backed down. So I think they just really respect him, maybe. Okay. 
We'll go with that. So maybe I don't know. <laughs> suspense lifted. Graham wakes up and he is fine and his bossy self. At this point, Evelyn has worked herself to the bone, keeping vigil, providing all the care that she can. But she's basically about to collapse. And he worries over his fragile and delicate little doll of a wife. Her health and <laughs> losing her to war. Oh no, she could be taken from him. <sighs> I must obsessively care for her. And he does. Also, what happens is Nora basically gives Evelyn the most approval that she is capable of at this point, which is like, hey, you were loyal. Good job. Yeah, and then Nora has no repercussions for her behavior. Nope. She does apologize to Graham, which she accepts. Oh, that's good. I mean, she doesn't apologize to Evelyn because why ever would she? Yeah, Evelyn's just the wife. She doesn't matter. Nope. Okay, so Evelyn gets a nice long nap, which that must be nice for her because she's worked really hard. Poor thing is exhausted. She's had a lot of emotional worries. She wakes up, goes find Graham. He is in the middle of composing his fuck you, Tavish Armstrong message, which Father Drummond is writing. Well, it's more of a, (laughs) hey, did this happen? Are you trying to war with me or? Yes. (laughs) I think he's trying to tread lightly. (laughs) He doesn't want war. He's not me. It's not bloodthirsty. No, it's not a fuck you. It's a what the fuck. (laughs) Ah, yes. You know, it's very easy to get those confused. (laughs) (laughs) At any rate, Evelyn and Graham are on the same page. So do you feel Evelyn and Graham are united at this point? Like, do you feel they are one unit? Yeah, I think so. Yay! She picked loyalty to Graham over loyalty to her family. I think that she loves him. He loves her, supposedly. They want to be together. Mm, yes, this is true. I agree. Yes, they had the, oh no, you're more hurt than me. We need to, all the resources need to be devoted to your care. Mm-hmm. That kind of thing. Yes. Yes, we have the caring for a sickness trope. Yep. Many important things happened. So, Evelyn leaves to go find a bath. And on her way to finding a bath, she finds Kristen, who says, ooh, hot bath. I have it right here. Revenge! And so Evelyn is taken. (laughs) Yeah, so Kirsten is such an asshole. She is. She's like, oh, hey, yeah, I know a better way to get to the baths. It'll be so much better if you go this way with me. And Evelyn, thinking back on, oh, yeah, you know, Nora and I mended fences. Maybe this is my chance to do the same with Kirsten. Yeah, no. Kirsten is. She's been working in the fields for a while, and I can't imagine that that has has improved her mood or attitude. (laughs) Yeah, I just. uh, I got the impression, and and the author, there's not a lot of textual evidence for this, but I got the impression that Kirsten was kind of into Graham. Yes. Well, at one point, she like throws herself at Graham, and I don't think Graham really gives her much mind. He's very dismissive of her. Yeah, I think she has a little bit of jealousy there. In addition to the Armstrong hate. I agree. I think you're right. So lucky little Evelyn, when she comes to, (laughs) when she comes to, she finds herself in a dungeon. As you do. Yay. And lo and behold, it is Ian. The massive. Wait, nope, not massive. The short. (laughs) 
He's so small. She now realizes that where she thought he was really tall and imposing, he's but a puny, puny man. Yay for her for that realization. <laughs> like, it's brought up a lot. Like, I know it sounds like I'm just being a jerk, but it's brought up quite a bit in the story. Some might say too much. This is an important whatever. plot point. <laughs> yes. It is very important that we have Graham is all nice and tall and big, and Ian is short wee man. That is very significant. Ian is a short king. <laughs> yeah. It's... Only not a nice one. <laughs> it's important, I guess. At this point, we realize that Ian has learned of Evelyn's secret, and he's displeased, because he feels like this will make him look the fool. Yeah, she was supposed to be my fuck doll, not Graham's. Exactly. And not only that, but if the Armstrongs and Montgomery's actually become allies, then where does that leave the McHughes? I was supposed to be allied with the Armstrongs. I had a plan. I wanted land. Or my father wanted land. Somebody wanted land. And power. Yes. And Evelyn notes that Patrick, who is Ian's father, is there. And Patrick seems kind of afraid of Ian. He does. Yeah, he he is taking, for whatever reason, he's taking a back seat. We don't know why. Even though he's taking a back seat, he doesn't seem to intervene on Evelyn's behalf. Because he's an asshole. Yep. Meanwhile, Graham goes hunting for clues as to where is his missing wife yet again. She keeps going missing this wife. He needs to lowjack her or something. Oh, wait, that is not a technology that exists. Um, <laughs> No, get, get one of those air tags. Attach it to her. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> In pursuit of finding his wife, he finds Kirsten, who he realizes she is acting awfully shady. He threatens her with death. As you do. Because, you know, he just he wants his wife. And so she caves because she doesn't want to die. You know, which I suppose is understandable. She's like, um, you know, so not just me, but these warriors also really hate the Armstrongs. And so, yeah, we kind of teamed up and Ian has your wife. Sorry. <laughs> not sorry. <laughs> We betrayed you. Because <laughs> we hate those guys. He jails Kirsten and they put those other, they put the warriors to death. Yes. And she seems like almost like a shocked Pikachu meme. She's like, what? <laughs> I told you the truth. I thought it'd be okay now. Why for I get punished? Oops. Traitor. Well, you picked the wrong side there, dear. Now that Graham has all this information, he rides out with the white sheet a flappin and not his whole army by the by to tavis to get some reinforcements well because tavis has heard that evelyn is missing yes and he's ready to go to war with the montgomery's at this point he's like where the fuck is my daughter <laughs> now he cares about her <laughs> sorry did that come out you are so cynical my god i know well that's what happens when I host my cynicism. Just fly that flag. Um, <laughs> this is the extra snarky edition of our podcast. Yeah, this, this will be a one shot. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is going to be the new thing. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, let's see, where am I? 
Oh, they're talking. They form a true allyship at this point. Yes, because they both love Evelyn so much that they will join forces, go against Ian, or the McHughes, or whoever, whoever does the Tucker. With Graham and Tavis as allies, they ride on Patrick McHugh's keep, to which Patrick comes out and says, um, yeah, she's not here. He tries to play stupid. <laughs> and it doesn't work. Yeah, fuck you, Patrick. Yeah. So Graham threatens and grumps in his general direction. And Patrick folds. And he's like, well, it was Ian. Yep. Bring out your son. <laughs> um, and small Ian is presented. I love that part of the notes. I love that you wrote that. <laughs> Small Ian. Graham is allowed to then search the property because he's big and scary. And so they cave. As he's like searching the place, they encounter, I guess the woman must be named Genevieve because you said she's the heroine in book two. I believe so. Yes. That is the heroine from book two. So I'm going to assume her name is Genevieve then. If I'm wrong, I apologize. And she's like, um, she went that way. Check the dungeons. <laughs> yes. Look over there. <laughs> they do. And they find her because some dirt is disturbed because, of course, it's a hidden dungeon. Yeah, that is so fucked up. So they have like this dungeon <laughs> and then they have a secret special hidden dungeon and in there poor <laughs> Evelyn's like shackled and she's like half starved to death and she's just totally unkempt it's the Russian nesting dolls of dungeons there's the big dungeon and then the little dungeon and then the smaller dungeon she's not been well taken care of <laughs> no plus she can't hear that's another thing because yes. when Graham is like searching for her and he's yelling for her and everything he comes to this disturbing realization that she's never going to be able to answer. Uh-oh. Which I thought was kind of terrifying. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it would be genuinely scary. But fear not, he is the hero. He finds her. They leave the dungeon. Yay. And Graham is reunited with Ian, whom he stabs right in the belly. Because who needs a trial? Ian deserved it. Yeah. <laughs> not a whole lot of pity. I don't feel bad for Ian at all. <laughs> no. After she is rescued, it is decided that they will return to Armstrong Keep for Evelyn to recover. Peace achieved through bloodshed. Yay. Yay. So at Armstrong Keep, Graham says, hey, you know your secret. You should probably tell your parents because, yeah, secrets aren't going to stay secret. Plus, you know, they might have a right to know. Or they might like to know. And so she tells them and they get to feel all the guilt. But they do take solace in the fact that, you know, she has a man that loves her and takes care of her and, and all of those good things. So, yay. Instead of small Ian. Yes. <laughs> yes. Who was proven to be unworthy. Who would have abused her. And that would not have been good. Who did abuse her. Yes. But I mean, like, in their marriage, he would have abused her. Yes, it would have been worse. Yes. And and much longer. A longer duration. With less is. rescuing. Hmm. At this point, Evelyn, she thinks, I love you, but she does not say it. She keeps it to herself. However, she does tell her mother, in confidence, which Graham overhears, that she would love to hear him say that he loves her. Yeah, she wishes she could. Yes. So they're talking about... The whole situation, 
And they were going to leave it alone with the McHughes. So they're like, no, it's fine. But then Evelyn's like, um, you know, Patrick was there, right? What? <laughs> what do you mean he was there? I mean, I saw him. He was totally there. We locked eyes. <laughs> <laughs> we had a moment. Yes. So then it's like, oh, well, on the morrow, we will kick his ass. Because tonight, they feast. We party. Yes. The feud is a thing of the past. Rejoicing. At the dinner, everybody's getting along like family. And Evelyn gets her wish. She gets to hear, I guess. She gets an itching in her ears, which is as close as she can have to hearing. And she, quote unquote, hears Graham say that he loves her. And he's shouting. Because he fucking shouts it. Yeah. Yes. To the rooftops and beyond. And so she shouts back that she loves him. I guess that's the end. Because they're not kicking Patrick's ass yet. That happens in another book. Yeah. Hopefully. I guess the moral is, be careful who you hate because they will become your family. (laughs) Haven't you heard that? No. (laughs) I've heard different versions of that. The end. (laughs) Ish. So I have a complaint. Because... The title of this book <laughs> is Never Seduce a Scott. Mm-hmm. How does that tie into the story? I, I, I genuinely, I have no idea because it doesn't seem to. Is it because she never seduced him? I mean, I don't understand. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> or maybe he was planning to never seduce her. Maybe. I, I, I don't know. I want it to fit, but it really doesn't. I honestly, I have no answers for you. I I don't understand why that title was selected. I don't know what other options there were. Hopefully you have an answer for this question. I shall do my best. How is the audiobook? I really like the audiobook. So the narrator was Kirsten Potter, and she did a really good job. I enjoyed her Scottish accent, because that is very hard to do. Lots of people think they can do it, and... Unless you're Scottish. They can't. Yeah, I mean, if it's your accent, then it's easy, I would think. But maybe not. I don't know. I would hope. It's natural. Yes. But yeah, I thought she did a really good job. Nice. Are you happy for them? I'm happy for Evelyn. I don't know. I I guess I'm mildly happy for Graham. <laughs> maybe. I'm tepidly happy. <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't know. I feel like... And maybe I'm wrong, but I just, I feel like he just kept pushing her away and pushing her away and pushing her away and never would, I don't know if he ever would have figured out how, how wonderful she was. I think he would have eventually. I think she got put through so many trials because he kept trying to be peacemaker. Ineffectively. Yes. So, I mean, I'm happy for her. Because hopefully she will live in a safer environment, free of emotional and physical torment. Yay! And hopefully his eyes are a bit more open and he's not quite so idealistic. I mean, a little idealism is okay. Yeah, but I mean, to the point where he's just like, I'll tell them what to do and they'll do it. (laughs) I'm like, do you not know how humans work? But whatever. I don't think he does. (laughs) What about you? Were you happy for them? I was. It can be difficult in, I think, often in historicals because the woman doesn't necessarily have a whole lot of choice. Yes. 
But in the world of the story where that's her life and that's his life, I think they make a good couple. I think they're well suited. I think that they love each other. I think they'll be happy. I think that having this shared enemy of the McHughes will help bring the two clans together even more than the marriage. And I think that will contribute to their happiness. Yeah, I kind of wonder. I know it's a series. I wonder if his sister Rory will be expected to marry an Armstrong. Ooh, I didn't look that far. Maybe. I don't think so. I don't think if if that is where the series is going, I don't think that book has come out yet. Yeah, I think there's just three books right now. Oh, I did put it in my notes. It's King Alexander II. I just didn't put him in the notes oh. that I put over there. So yeah, he was, he's the king that defined the border between Scotland and England. Yeah, see, it was easy to find out if you were looking right. <laughs> I was looking in my notes, the bottom part of my notes. <laughs> I'm so good at this. Well, let's rate them. How do you rate Evelyn? I put Evelyn is awesome. I feel like she had a lot to overcome in this story. Lots of prejudice thrown at her way from the family she was birthed into and then the family that she married into. Yep. And then there's the whole McHugh's thing. Yes, puny Ian. Yeah, and I mean, when push came to shove, she she got on the horse. You know what I mean? She, she overcame her fears, saved her man. To a certain extent, she did let other people's behaviors define her, but she did find a way to persevere when she really wanted something, like knowing where his bedroom was. She got her point across. Evelyn's awesome. She has some, might wonder, unbelievably good lip-reading skills. <laughs> you know, it's easy to, to just say, oh, well, she's fictitious. But I think there becomes a false assumption of, oh, if someone can lip-read, it must be at this level. Or just assuming someone is willing to do that. But anyway, what about you? I also rate Evelyn awesome. I enjoyed her journey. I think she had a good reason for keeping the secret. I was a little worried at first because I struggle with liars, as you know. Mm -hmm. We like the truth here. Yes. And and by we, I mean me. But I think she was a really strong character. She saw a chance to kind of change her life for the better and she took it and she went with it and she did a good job. I agree with you about the, the lip reading thing. It is maybe a little potentially problematic but i mean the author did put in an author's note that she based this character off of uh her husband's experience with deafness and his ability to lip read so i don't know yeah i don't i don't know just put just putting that out there yeah i would just hate that if there's an assumption that oh if someone is deaf that means they must be able to lip read at this level or at all yes that too I I was honestly a little upset that the lip reading didn't come into play for intrigue sort of reasons. Yeah. I wish there was a little bit of that. Maybe that'll be in future books. I could see that being an incredibly useful skill. I mean, that's so awesome. And I mean, yeah, it's a way for her to function in the world and everything. But it's also like an incredible like asset to her clan that she can do that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I thought she was awesome. I do wish that the author had done a bit of a better job of defining like exactly what her family thought of her. Yeah. I think that I maybe would have felt a little bit more comfortable 
if that had been better defined, possibly. Yeah. I mean, we, we all use words like crazy, insane, all those things, you know? They're using daft and dutched and whatnot, and it's just, what do they mean by that exactly, you know? Exactly. Mm-hmm. And how does that affect the way she's treated? And obviously, it it's a major part of the story, how she's treated, due to her um, loss of hearing. But Evelyn herself is awesome. How did you rate Graham? I just put him as average. He's okay. <laughs> it's sort of what you, you'd been saying. Like, he's so idealistic that it's frustrating. I don't know if you've mentioned it on the podcast or if we were talking about it before. But when you were saying where Graham was correcting her volume. Oh, yeah. When she was speaking and she was verbalizing. Yeah. Yeah. He so helpfully tells her whether she's quiet or loud or whatever. Yes. I felt that was a little potentially problematic. I don't want to speak for anyone, but I know that would bother me. Unless I asked him to do it, which he doesn't do. Yes. Yeah. She doesn't <laughs> ask him. He he volunteers. He helps. He just jumps right in to fix it. He voluntells her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he does what, what a lot of heroes do. I'll protect her. What do you mean when you say protect? <laughs> Especially in the beginning. It's like, are you protecting her because you think she's childlike? Which, that's a little bit of the perception of her, I think. Yeah. Physically, I think he would protect her. But he doesn't really care about her emotional well-being. Well, I think he just doesn't understand the whole emotional thing. Yeah, maybe. maybe I don't it's... think it's that he doesn't care. I think it's just a lack of emotional intelligence. Yeah, perhaps you are right. What did you think of Graham? How did you rate him? I rate Graham awkward. Okay. There were some things I really liked about Graham. One of the things that we didn't bring up earlier is his views of his own sexuality, which I really kind of appreciate. I found it kind of refreshing, honestly. Mm -hmm. The way the author wrote about how Graham feels about that sort of thing, because he essentially marries Evelyn thinking he's never going to be able to have sex with her because he'll feel like a shit heel if he does. Mm -hmm. But he also doesn't want to be the type of person that steps out on his wife and he would be faithful to her. So he's basically signing himself up for a life of celibacy at this point. I thought that was pretty um, interesting. And then he later, we learn that he views sex as like a really important thing. Like it's, it's a big deal to him. Right. It's not just a hobby or a pastime or whatever. It's like, he doesn't want to have sex unless it means something. And so it makes the sex that he has with Evelyn a lot more impactful for him because it is special to him too. Yeah, that's a really good point. I should have said this when we talked about Evelyn, but I'm going to bring it up now. I was a little troubled by, you know, the whole, he makes Evelyn come and Evelyn doesn't know what's going on. Oh, right. <laughs> and then when she's like, what happened? He goes, oh, you found your woman's release. And she's like, oh, okay, cool. I liked it. Yay. And apparently that's <laughs> fine. But I found that really disturbing. <laughs> yeah. Personally. Yes. I mean, I know it, it, it is a trope and I know some people are into it. So I'm not trying to judge you or anything. But I, yeah, I didn't care for that. But as far as Graham's sexuality and whatnot goes, I, I found it kind of a breath of fresh air. <laughs> so I, I enjoyed that the author put that stuff in the story. I also liked how... I mean, 
his idealism was kind of a pain, but it's also kind of nice to have a hero who isn't like so jaded and cynical, you know? Again, <laughs> yeah, it's like, well, you know, he's kind of dumb about it, but it is kind of nice that he wants to believe the best of people. Maybe it doesn't make him a very good leader, which is partly why I rated him awkward. It's like, well, <laughs> you make your you make your hero really idealistic and he believes the best of people and then you make him in charge of everyone and they're in a hate-filled generations-long feud with another clan. Like that's not going to go well. You need to have a little bit more of a jaded hero in charge of that. I think maybe this will help to make him more jaded. <laughs> I don't know. A big part of why I rate him awkward is I really feel like he is lacking in emotional intelligence. I really, really do. And a lot of heroes do, and I don't always ding him for it. But in this case, he's in charge of like, I mean, he's a fucking king practically, right? Yeah. You know? Yeah. (laughs) He's in charge of like this whole group of people, keeping them alive. And he just thinks he's just going to tell them and they'll just go, oh, okay, you're right. (laughs) We were wrong all those generations. Whoopsie. (laughs) I just. But then on the other hand, he's kind of badass, too, because he like when when his brothers are, are arguing with him over supporting Evelyn and he's like, well, challenge me then. Yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. I was, I was like, yeah, damn right. <laughs> Step up. They're down the gauntlet. You think you can do it better? Show me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I kind of just, I just went back and forth on him so much. Yeah. I don't think he's dislikable. I, I liked him. I just, like, I didn't understand him. I didn't think he was effective. <laughs> yeah. I don't feel like he was a very effective leader. I kind of worry. Like, maybe... Maybe he will step down. <laughs> One of his brothers will. <laughs> I mean, I kind of challenge him or something. <laughs> uh, maybe he and Evelyn could just go off and live in the country alone somewhere. I think they'd be totally happy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, dear. Well, what about <laughs> the antagonists or villains, Um. Well, I think it starts off with the king. I mean, he's certainly antagonistic. He yeah. creates the he creates the problem. Boy, does he! He's effective-ish. It's hard to it's hard to put that into words because clearly his actions create the story. So in that way, he's very effective. But as a looming threat, because they're like, "Hey, we we can't not do this because then we'll be branded as traitors or whatever, and there will be all these horrible consequences." I don't know. I guess I kind of wondered, like, where's the kingly presence? I mean, we have the Earl, but then what else? How how would the king know? Yeah, and how effective is he really if Tavis is willing to go to war over his daughter just like that? Yes. He's like, yeah, I heard my daughter's missing, so I'm gonna fuck you guys up. Screw the king. So, next on the list, Tavis. Because he was like, um, no, you still have to marry Ian. I'm not gonna hear your complaints. Yeah! Sorry, daughter. It's just because you're a virgin. That's why. Yeah, that that's why you you don't want to marry him. But he has a castle. He must be a good guy. Whatever his reasoning was. He's charming. Yes. It's sort of the thing with the king. Like, very effective in, like, a very narrow way. But beyond that, I don't know. I mean, I guess... So you were talking about it earlier where it's like, if he had known that Evelyn wasn't daft, 
I think he would have made her marry him. Ian. Yeah. I wish that had been better expressed, which would have made her needing to keep that secret more obvious. I felt like it was pretty obvious, personally. I don't know. I guess I wondered. And then the McHughes, Ian and Patrick. (sighs) Sort of effective. Patrick, not really so much. But Ian a little bit, especially at the end when he was there, he was creepy. Yeah. But in, in the beginning, it was... I don't know. He felt like a threat, but then he's like not there through most of the story. So it didn't feel very much a present threat. What about you and your list? Okay. So I agree about the king. I felt like he was okay, like mildly effective. I think that Tavis and Rowena are both antagonists. Tavis, partly because of the reasons you said, where he was going to make Evelyn marry Ian anyways. But also because poor Evelyn is like woefully uneducated. It's just insane. They both are like, oh, she's daft. Why bother? Yeah. (laughs) It's just so fucking messed up. So then she goes to join another household and she doesn't know what the fuck she's doing. To be a little bit fair, there wasn't much in the way of education for women at that time. And Rowena even says, like, oh, she does beautiful needlepoint. And that that would have been her education. Yeah, but I think that Rowena would have maybe given her more of a guiding hand if if she thought that Evelyn was going to get married and be a lady of a house, then she would have taught her more about being a lady of the house than she did. I would hope so. Yes. Plus sexual education. I mean... Maybe that just wasn't a thing ever back then. I have no idea. Yeah, I genuinely We're don't led know. to believe that it's not. I, I feel really pissed off that they let her go off to the Montgomery's without even trying to tell her, hey, this is what sex is, by the way. Yeah. Just so you know. <laughs> Keep yourself safe, dear. Here's a knife. You know? Like, I Do you think just... they just never thought that he was going to try and so they didn't bother? I thought they were both worried he would try. Yeah. So they let her go while they're worried. It really made me upset. Yeah, I was kind of... Like, fucking parents, they suck. Yes, agreed. Yeah, I was kind of wondering, like, on one hand, I was like, they, I know they're worried about it, but they're not doing... So maybe they're not really that worried because they're not doing anything? I don't know. And then um, the McHughes, of course. I feel Patrick is not super effective in this story, but I don't think he's meant to be. I think the author's setting the stage for him to be a future villain or something. Ian, I found kind of frustrating, especially like you said at the beginning, because the author very, very, very lightly hints at him being potentially abusive during the whole first part of the story, where... Evelyn thinks about, oh, the time he talked to her and threatened her. Yeah. But doesn't go into any detail whatsoever. Like, there's no detail given at all. Even a specific threat. The author is very shy about that kind of stuff. And then when Ian finally does capture Evelyn, it's, like, insane. He's horrible. Yeah. And it's like, I would have liked a little bit of that earlier, please. Yeah, it's not even 0 to 60. It's more like 0 to 120. It was a lot and it was hard to, I thought he was going to like steal her and rape her or try to rape her or something. I didn't think he was going to steal her and chain her in a dungeon and, you know, smack her around. (laughs) I just don't know. 
<laughs> it was kind of out of left field for me. Was he effective at that point? Well, yeah, we all hate Ian. He's horrible, but <laughs> kind of more awkward. Until the end. I don't know if I necessarily hated him. It was more like, a, well, I know I'm not going to like this guy. But yeah, then when he shows up, it's like, no, no, I actively hate him. Yeah, I felt like Ian could be more like a rake sort of character. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like maybe he was a little too suggestive with her or who knows, right? But no, he is a full-fledged sociopath. Like (laughs) he's just not a good person at all. It's part of the dark triad of, (laughs) 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 you know, I just, yeah. But kind of more awkward than effective for me. And then there's Kirsten. Right. Who I felt was pretty damn effective. She did a lot in the story. She's probably the most effective of all of them. I wish we had a little bit more about like her motivations. Like I say, we get a little bit of hints that maybe she was into Graham. But I don't know. And then at the end of the story, she's banished. So she may pop up again. Who knows? Maybe she'll come back with magical powers and like curse them all. (laughs) (laughs) There's also Nora and the other women. I felt like most of the women in the story really sucked and it made me sad. Yes. Especially the hardworking women, like the the servant women. I know. I was like, any, no, you're all, like, you find out that she was afraid for her life and that's why she kept the secret and now you torture her? They were not nice people and they didn't really get punished. No. Except for Kirsten makes me wonder like if there's some hidden backstory we didn't get (laughs) like maybe maybe graham and kirsten had a thing maybe yeah i don't know honestly because i picked up on it too like her infatuation with him and so i thought maybe something like that was gonna come out oh yeah and then it didn't because he's just like no i don't like to sleep around and and whatnot which that's fine that's great but then it just it left like well then why is she doing this because she thinks she had a chance maybe maybe or maybe she didn't think that she'd be the lady but maybe she wanted to be the mistress and curry favor that way which that's fine i mean until she started behaving like an asshole that would have been fine not once he got married that would have been a problem there's a point when graham's doing some internal monologuing where he thinks about oh he thought Eventually, he'd marry a lass in his own clan type of thing. So I don't think it would have been beyond the realm of possibility that he might marry someone like Kirsten. So maybe she thought she had a shot. Maybe I'm just unclear on the social structure within the clan, but I don't think she was high enough. But yeah, who knows? All I'm going off of is his little thought about it. I mean, yeah, he may have he may have thought that he was going to marry someone in his clan. Like, that may have been his hope, but he should understand too again maybe this goes back to his idealism and his not being fit for the role but he should have realized that he is also a marriage pawn yeah he's a political pawn as well so he would have been expected to marry someone who would have been good for the clan which very likely would not have been someone within the clan it would have been someone like evelyn hey how about that it worked out yes and then, of course, I also want to rate the just general animosity of all the people in the book, you know, all the Armstrongs, <laughs> all the Montgomerys. <laughs> it's like, wow, yeah. we can't think beyond this feud. It's that bad. And I, I kind of wonder, I don't have enough knowledge to really challenge like whether or not that's something that could or would occur, but it seems like it's a l- 
really, really big. And I just kind of wonder, literally every person in your clan <laughs> is is aligned with this way of thinking. It's almost cultish. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's it's one of those, it's going to take time. It was effective for the story. It oh, needed yeah. to be there yeah. for the type of story that we were being told. But I just, how many people are we talking here? Like hundreds? Thousands? I don't know. Like a lot? Definitely hundreds. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not sure how big his quote unquote kingdom is. Because with the Armstrongs and the Montgomerys together, their army was bigger than the king's army. Oh. We're told. So a lot of dudes. Yeah. So they all feel this hatred with the same level of intensity. It just, I, I don't know. Yeah, well, maybe this is the first stitch, you know, to closing the open wound. Yeah. So maybe the other stories will be each marriage is a stitch. Or maybe it's fine now. Maybe I'm going to treat it like it's fine now because the story's done. <laughs> How did you rate the book? I rated, <laughs> I sort of wrote down two ratings. Oh, no. So you can tell me oh, which, no. which one. <laughs> oh, I get to pick. Uh, I don't know. Maybe somewhere <laughs> in the middle. Obviously, I'm a little cynical. And that certainly came through. I also had some personal bias. So that I feel like is pretty evident. So the one without the bias, I gave the rating a three. The rating with the bias is a 1.5. Or one. It kind okay. of oscillates. So I don't know. Maybe wow. a two is fair. I don't know. <laughs> wow. <laughs> We're getting some hard truths over there. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Hey, I let the dice decide which book we should do. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> and when it came up this one, I was like, all right. <laughs> I rated it a three. I okay. thought it was fun. It was It was a fun read. It was fine. I could see myself reading the others. I wasn't super invested or anything, but I don't know. I like Scotland. I know. We used the Scottish music in the intro for how many years? I was like, we should do a Scottish book. <laughs> <laughs> I Finally. Know. This is our first Scottish book. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I thought it was fun. Yay. Yeah. Well, did you feel romanced? Like I said, I wasn't super invested, so no, not really. Like, tepidly, maybe. Like, it was fine. <laughs> Sorry, I was just cheering that in my head. I feel tepidly romanced. I mean, is that romanced? I guess not. <laughs> I don't know. I think it's just kind of hard because I want, especially the hero, I want to be really competent. And I just wondered about Graham. Yeah, I wish, I wish sort of he was, there was some way to marriage the idealism with emotional intelligence. Yeah, like. There's got to be some middle way, right? I I get wanting to be, oh, it would be great if the world was this way. But then realizing, I mean, he does know. He just ignores it. Early on, he's like, yeah, my servants, they're kind of hostile. So I can't have them looking after Evelyn. He knows. Yeah. He's choosing to ignore it for whatever reason. To an extent. Yeah. Maybe it's because he has other... Very important business. I don't know. Fuck if I know. Or again, like, it's like, oh, I will protect her. But I'm not defining this. <laughs> it's like, well, she's physically unharmed. So we're good, right? <laughs> Is she, though? 
You know what I mean, though? Is she, though? I mean, Kirsten spills drink all over her. I would count that as assault. That's physical harm. (laughs) Some could say, well, she's not bleeding. So is she really hurt? I mean, she could just wash up and then she's fine. It's not not worth going to war over, right? Throwing a drink at someone is like... (laughs) We don't want to make the king upset over this, right? I mean... Uh-huh. <laughs> did you feel romance no <laughs> i did not so definite no tepidness here did you want to expand on that answer i guess to expand on the no <laughs> it's i don't know i felt more uncomfortable there were lots of things that just made me super uncomfortable and i i dislike the idea that whether or not the author intended this to be the way that Evelyn gained her acceptance, it just seemed like now that she can vocalize, ah, she's not daft. Ah, we accept her. Yep. The author did make some efforts to sort of see, like you were saying, like the brothers come around like just before. I just, I have a hard time buying that until that moment he was keeping her at arm's length. Oh, wait, no, she can, she can speak. Therefore, she's cool now. Now I know she's intelligent. Now she has value. Yes. I, I doubt that that's the way the author would have meant it. But that is how it came across. And I just, I didn't like it. There was no feeling of romance when I'm like, yes, but I dislike so many of them. <laughs> I just, I can't. Because it is. I mean, for better or for worse, as soon as that moment happens, granted, she's defending herself, which is amazing. After that moment, then it's like, ah, yes, now he's more affectionate towards her. Now he tries to defend her more to his people. Granted, he does it in a way that has faults. (laughs) Lots of faults. Yes. But he's making the effort then. She then suddenly matters to him. And I feel like he would have figured it out. But he just kept ignoring her. Until she couldn't be ignored anymore. Of course, not a not a lot of time passes. No. From when they get married to when she finally speaks. I get the feeling it's like a couple days, isn't it? Maybe. Probably. So, your feelings are valid, but I do feel you're being a little harsh. Yes. I, I, I agree <laughs> that I probably am. I agree that I... That's why I gave the biased versus the less biased. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. I I understand. I I take the criticism. It's fine. (laughs) I just want to say I'm really glad she didn't get her hearing back. Yes. Me too. I kept waiting for that to happen, especially after she voices the wish that, oh, I wish I could hear him say it. And then she falls off his horse at one point. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh, no, she hit her head again. Is that going to magically make her hear now? So I'm glad the author didn't go there. Yes, me too. (laughs) I was worried for a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. That is definitely a thing like you could probably get away with in the 2000s, maybe the 90s and before. I don't know if you could do that with an audience now. Yeah, I don't know. Depends on the audience, I guess. Probably. Well, what else have you been reading? I'm reading. I'm almost finished with Deaf Utopia by Niall DeMarco and Robert Siebert. And it's Niall DeMarco's memoir. And he celebrates his deaf culture 
and navigating in the hearing world and being an Italian-American who lived in Queens and, of course, then lived in Texas and Maryland and then goes backpacking and does all of these things. It's a great book. It can be a resource for anyone who is interested in deaf culture. It's great to to hear about his experiences and how he has become the person that he is. I don't know. It's it's hard to put into words. It's hard to put a life into words, like limited words. I think that sort of thing is fascinating, especially if someone has a very different lived experience, like this particular person with being deaf. If you haven't experienced that sort of thing, it is fascinating to be able to step into kind of their thoughts in a way, mm-hmm. reading a book like that. Maybe gain a little bit more insight or understanding into another person's perspective. Yeah, he was talking about like how he and his brothers got away with having parties in his mom's house because his mom is deaf. Oh, really? So, yeah, in high school, they were able to have like raucous parties until she caught on. Nice. Yeah, I was just like, I cannot imagine that. That would have been amazing. <laughs> that is that was not my experience. Kind of funny school. to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I unfortunately didn't have very many parties in high school. I was very boring. Well, just the idea of like <laughs> what you could get away with. <laughs> yeah, not necessarily parties per se, but like other things. It's fun. It's really good. It puts the world into perspective, which makes the world more interesting. What about you? What have you been reading? So I finished not too long ago the first in a series. The series is called Accidental Alien Brides. The first book is called Wed to the Alien Warlord by January Bell. (laughs) It's a sci-fi romance. Mm -hmm. In this series, they're in the military. This first full female military team are flying a ship to this other planet where this alien race called the Swevens live, and they're supposed to negotiate with the Swevens to gain this military tech that they need to protect their planet from another species that's attacking them. Except when they get there, at first they can't speak with the Swevens, and they were told, they were briefed, that they have to participate in this welcoming ceremony And then after that, the Swevens will give them the translators so they can actually talk and negotiate and whatnot. It's some cultural thing, right? Mm -hmm. It turns out the welcoming ceremony is a marriage ceremony. So all the women on this crew get married off (laughs) without realizing it. And then when they get the translators, they don't have a chance to really figure things out before they are attacked by some insurgents that disagree with the humans being on their planet at all. Our main character, Nikki, who is the captain of the humans, is paired off with the head warlord, and they get split off. And when she finally is able to talk to him and realizes she's married to him, she's like, um, yeah, no, that's not working for me. (laughs) (laughs) And he is aghast because he thought... He thought it was consensual. Oh. So he's also really disturbed by the whole situation. And and I've read all the books in this series so far. I think there's seven. I just finished the seventh one like the other day. 
And I like them all pretty well. I think one of the things I really appreciate is that the women are really strong, but they're really different. So Nikki is like a big badass boss. Like there's points where she's fighting and kicking people's butts and whatnot. And her alien man is just like, damn right she is. You know, (laughs) like he's all into it. And then there's a couple parts where, you know, it's joked about like, oh, are you going to make her do this or that? And he's all, I don't think she'll let me make her do anything. Like, no, <laughs> I'm not going to make her do jack shit, you know? <laughs> and then at the end of this book, some of the women decide they want to take the trials and become warlords themselves. So some mm-hmm. of the women become warlords over the course of the series, which is cool. Nice. Yeah, it's really cool. Like the women don't lose their power. And I I really like that about this series because it it is very tropey as a lot of sci-fi romances where, oh, they don't have enough women. So they need the human women, of course. And the human women are all gorgeous because, of course, they are. (laughs) And then we human women live on an extremely dystopian world where the men are like, yeah, fuck you guys. Let's just send you off and marry you off without even telling you what's going on. Bye. (laughs) We need our defense system, so fuck you. (laughs) Which, unfortunately, I feel could happen. Mm -hmm. You know? Yes. Sadly. I don't think that's too far from the realm of truth. One of the best things about the series, though, is that the women, they're not put on a pedestal. Oh, nice. The, The male alien, of course. Oh, she's so amazing and gorgeous and I love her and she smells awesome. And, you know, we, we get all that. But at the end of the day... He's like, yeah, no, she's a person. So she makes her own decisions. Yay. Which was great. <laughs> like, I really like that. So thank you, January Bell. Good job. I'll read more of your stuff. Woohoo. Yep. So, all right. That's it for this time. Happy third anniversary to us. Woohoo. <laughs> Yay. Check out our website, romancemepodcast.com. I put up our show notes, other episodes, our upcoming reads. Don't forget, you can subscribe on Apple, Google, Amazon, or Spotify. And if you want, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Is it called Spotify Podcasts? I don't know. Leave us a review. (laughs) A good one, like a five-star one. I have no shame. Yay. That's fine. Have no shame. (laughs) If that's what you want to have, you have all the not shame. Well, were you romanced by Evelyn and Graham's story? You can tell us, or you can talk amongst yourselves. Do as you wish. Join us next time when we discuss A Night to Surrender by Tessa Dare. Happy third birthday. Happy third birthday to us. We're officially toddlers. Oh, nice. <laughs> so, was our last season our terrible season? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> Don't worry. It's okay. Don't worry. Be happy. Isn't that how it goes? Yes. <laughs>